Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. So bear with me. Uh, I should have had that that sip before I started. Monica's actually started to get a little bit concerned because this Ron Miel, a speciality of Tenerife, Ron Miel, Tenerife rum, it's honey rum. It's so delicious. It's about 20%. It tastes, I know I've said it in a previous podcast, but I can't get enough of it. Oh, it's so good. You must get that if you come to Tenerife. And if you're in the States, Australia, anywhere else, see if you can find that somewhere. Ron Miel, honey rum. Absolutely incredible. Just with a big chunk of ice in there, poured over a little, kind of a little whiskey glass or something. Oh, it's heaven. It's heaven. Right. Okay. First off, I've had a few people. It's something I've struggled with. The sound on the podcast, I'll be completely honest. I've struggled for a long time trying to get this sound right. And now I really hope I've got the right solution. Basically, when I started the YouTube channel, uh, Freddie Dobbs on YouTube, I, I struggled with the sound. The sound was awful, probably for the first two or three months. And I struggled so much trying to find the right microphones, yada, 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 until finally I figured it out. I bought a high quality, you know, spent some okay money on it, got a high quality setup and it works brilliantly. Podcast I've struggled with. So I do get people saying, Freddie, please try and sort out the sound on the podcast. So now I hope I've just been the past week trying to sort this setup out, trying to get it all sorted, because I'm delighted. The podcast is actually number 11 in the UK automotive podcast charts, which is amazing. So I thought, okay, I have to finally sort this out. So please, please. Firstly, a huge thank you to anyone who who sends me an email and just lets me know, Freddie, look, this is how you can improve the sound. Um, and also anyone who, you know, who thinks the sound is good now, let me know. I'd be 
really appreciative of your feedback. Is the sound now better? You know, are there no more annoying thuds? dob.bs at outlook.com. Let me know if the sound is now better. I'll be heartbroken if it's not, but I must know. Thank you so much. It's dob.bs at outlook.com. Right. Okay. Let's get down to it. One final. Oh, God. Right. Okay. I've only just got back. I've had to calm down because, as you know, live in Tenerife. I was out this morning just enjoying a nice ride with Monica and we decided to film the day and this video on YouTube will be live on Thursday. Monica and I were riding around on the Bonneville having a lovely morning. Stopped off for a morning coffee, managed to park the Bonneville right next to our little coffee table outside in the street. So we we're just having a coffee there, Bonneville about half a meter behind me. There's no better way to start the week than that. It was glorious. And we were riding along and I suddenly saw something as we were going along this road. And I, I said to Monica, Monica, we've got to turn back. And she said, no, 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 just carry on. I said, no, nope, no way. I'm turning back. Turned back, drove into this desert type garage area. And I just, I almost collapsed. I'm not joking. I almost collapsed with excitement in there was a graveyard of classic cars. Look out for it because this YouTube video will be live on the 24th, 5th, 6th, on the 27th of January, 2022. Uh, classic VW Beetles, classic Mercedes, Mark One, Mark Two Golfs, uh, cars that I've never seen in my life before, piled up on, on top of each other in this kind of desert terrain, something I'd expect to see out in, in deep USA or something like that. I have never seen anything like it. It is are just absolutely incredible. So keep an eye on that. It's going to drop 27th of January. Complete shock. We did not plan that for our video at all. Right. Um, actually, moving on from the US. Rob from the US. This, this is quite interesting. Listen to this. Rob, and this is about brand loyalty, about Harley Davidson's. Another brand loyalty component. Brand loyalty is, is emotional. In the US, for example, Jeeps are hot, 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 especially the four-door variants, yet they barely attain 20 mpg on the highway. They offer so-so dependability and are crazily expensive. Used offerings, many years old, with high mileage, are still fetching $30,000. Why do people line up for Jeeps and Harleys stateside, despite the value-priced Honda trucks, cars and bikes? Because they're, they are left-brain emotional, passionate purchasers. So one last thought is, okay, I'll get on to the next bit in a second, but this is so true. This is what, what I've been talking about. We are, do you know what? It's not even just bikers, you know, motorists. And I'm, I'm not talking about, for example, someone who needs a people carrier to get their children to school. I'm talking about bikers and people with a passion in cars and bikes. We're a passionate bunch. We are like, I know, I know I could get a much, let's say, for example, the Honda NC 700 or 750, the, the really good quality, very practical Honda kind of commuting motorbike. It's better than the Bonneville in every single way, and it's better priced. You can't justify buying, for example, a Triumph Bonneville over the Honda NC 700. You can't, because if, you, if you're thinking practically, 
None of us would buy any Triumphs, none of us would buy any Harley Davidsons, we certainly wouldn't buy an Indian. Uh, you would only buy the simple Japanese commuters if you're thinking purely with your head. You cannot justify, as Rob said here, certainly you can never justify a Harley Davidson if you're, if you're talking common sense, if you're making absolute sense. You're mad to buy a Harley. If you can go out there and you get a Honda or a Yamaha for under half the price, and it will be much, much easier and cheaper to maintain and much more reliable. But, but it's the way it makes us feel, isn't it? I think Rob's spot on here. You know, biking isn't just about common sense. And I love Japanese motorbikes. Hondas are incredible. Hondas also make some extremely good emotive bikes as well. But we look for the way a bike makes us feel. Probably the majority of bikers, we buy a bike for the way it makes us feel. It's that intangible stuff. You cannot justify it. You can't explain it. You just get on that bike of choice of yours and you know when you like it. And it doesn't even matter about any of the specs or anything. It's about how that very specific bike makes you as an individual feel. And we are so lucky as bikers because we've got so much choice. It, it just makes me so happy how much choice we've got as bikers. It suits every single type of biker. What I like, a simple, low-powered bike with, with nothing to write home about that, that has the classic looks, isn't for someone else's taste. And it just, there's something for everyone. It makes me so happy knowing how much different stuff we've got. Okay, right, I move on to what Rob was going to say next. One last thought is to check Harley-Davidson pricing in cold weather states versus high demand good weather, for example, areas in Florida. It's always a supply and demand equation. Uh, so basically what Rob is saying here is that I've said in a few podcasts, I would be curious to go out to the US and buy a Harley. But, you know, the exchange rates aren't as good as they used to be. And there are these taxes. Let's say you need to pay about 20 percent in taxes if you want to bring a bike from the States over to Europe. It's not as appealing as it once was. However, Rob has said, have a look at states north of let me see what he said. Have a look at states north of Washington because the Harley Davidsons there will sit all winter in a garage until spring arrives in April. Can you get lower deals there? Well, Rob, let me check now. I've got to say as well, this feels weird. I've got a mic on me now. It's actually attached to my t-shirt, so I'm not speaking specifically into a microphone. I can just move around, bash around, and uh, not even worry that I've got a mic on. Oh, God. I hope this works because it's such a nice way of doing things, not having to actually specifically remember to speak into a microphone. I'll be dancing with excitement if this works. Okay, right, Rob, let's have a look. Cycletrader.com. This is a good place to look for US motorbikes. I have chosen the Harley Davidson Softail Deluxe, my absolute dream motorcycle. If someone says to me, Freddie, forget about money. What is your dream motorbike? What would you have? I would have a Harley-Davidson Softail Deluxe. So I have typed in Harley-Davidson Softail Deluxe for sale in Florida. I've also typed in Harley-Davidson Softail Deluxe for sale in Pennsylvania, which is north of Washington. That's in the northeastern tip, and that will be very cold in the winter. So, so riders will not be riding that. They will not be riding their Harleys in the winter up in Pennsylvania. Let's have a look at the prices. If we start in Florida, 
Okay, I'm in Florida now. The cheapest, the cheapest Harley Davidson Softail Deluxe in Florida. Let me just check. I've got the absolute cheapest here. This is quite interesting, actually. My lord. Okay. Oh, see, I thought. Oh, now I'm tempted. I didn't. Uh, you know, when I record podcasts, I I do it off the off the bat. I I don't ever plan them. I just kind of have a few things I want to say, but I, I never plan anything. So this is all a shock to me. Hmm. The cheapest Harley Davidson Softail Deluxe in Florida right now for a 2005 model is $6,500. Oh gosh, this is good. Uh, I have to do a translation because actually I'm quite excited about this. $6,500 to pounds. No. Oh no. Oh dear, this is tempting. I'm actually starting to shake the excitement here. $6,500 to pounds is £4,800 sterling. Let's add 20% onto shipping costs and duties, etc. Tell you what, let's add 30% on just to be safe. About 30% of 4.8K, top of my head, £1,500. You're looking at, with all costs covered, about £6,300 to bring a Harley Softail Deluxe to the UK. £6,300. However, if I were to buy the cheapest Harley Davidson Softail Deluxe in the UK right now... Oh, this is tempting. Let me just close that search. One sec, sorry, I'm always on... I'm always on Bike Trader. Oh, my... Is a, is a trip over to the US in order. Okay, it's a deluxe. I'll type that in there. Okay, what is the absolute cheapest? £6,300 sterling to get one over from the US and pay all the taxes. So no messing about. I've added the taxes on there and the cheapest in the UK is £8,995. You're saving two and a half thousand pounds. Hmm. That's a two and a half thousand pounds saving you can make. But I haven't told you about Pennsylvania. What happens if I go over to the cold state where they're locked up? Oh, they're more expensive. Well, that's a shame. Well, that is a shame. They're actually more expensive in the cold states. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Rob, I don't think they're going to be cheaper here. You're looking at, to give you an example, you're looking at $9,900 for a very, very nice, take your pick selection of 2006 onwards, Harley Davidson Softail Deluxes. That, but, but actually I'm going to go back. I'm going back to Florida. Rob, I'm going to go back to Florida because I think they're cheaper in Florida, actually. I think if you buy a Harley Davidson, it's cheaper in Florida. And also, you know, you're guaranteed that they're going to be ridden in the warm conditions. I'm taking my pick here. Taking my pick from from Softail Deluxe's below, below $9,000. There are at least 50 that I'm looking at here. And if we look below $9,000, for Harley Davidson Softail Deluxe, you're looking at six thousand six hundred pounds sterling. Do you know what? There's, it's still worth it. Just about. It's still worth it to go out to the US for these Harleys. 
it really is. There's, for one, a superb selection of them, and they are still financially viable propositions to make it worthwhile to actually go out to the US and buy these Harleys from the US and ship them back. I always get told, let me just finish this. Gone, finished. Ridiculous how quickly I go like that. Pathetic, pathetic. Right. Um, I always get told, if you're buying a motorcycle from the USA, bank on 30% additional costs, 30% of the cost of the bike, add another 30% onto that. And that's roughly, that will cover everything else, all of the import duties, etc., etc. Right. Okay. Um, in fact, this is good. I'm moving on now. Moving on to Chaz. Uh, Chaz is actually a, a sound engineer and he just gave me some tips on uh, on the mic setup. So thank you, Chaz. I've actually taken that on board and I'm hoping I've done you proud here with this new sound. But Chaz is a 28-year-old biker. I love this because he sent me over pics of all his bikes. He said he's a 28-year-old um, in uh, he's a 28 year old in an old man's body he's got three motorbikes one is a 1979 honda xl250 one is a bmw r80 rt and the other is a honda c90 and Chaz, i've actually saved these picks because they're so good and you've got a connoisseur's taste here this little honda you got some that these are all bang on classics, not just future classic. These are all bang on classics. That BMW fared on the front. I've got to have a look at these, the value of some of these. I'm going to go for, because I don't think I've done it before, the Honda. These are actually quite valuable bikes. And at 28 years old, Chaz has done incredibly well. Right, I've checked on Auto Trader. There are no Honda XL250s. So if I go to, let's see if we can find a good classic here on eBay. Right, this is uh, a 250, just a small, a small light kind of, what do you call them, trails bike from Honda, but classically styled. It will be an appreciating classic. And if we go to lowest price first on eBay, you know what? This gives you a good example. Auto Trader or Bike Trader in the UK, there isn't one Honda XL250. However, if you go onto eBay, there are 15 of them. eBay often has a much bigger selection of the classic motorbikes. Um, this is a good proposition here. These bikes range from 2.6K to about 3.5K or something like that. And they look, they look really, really nice, but it is that problem. You know, it's an older bike now. Do you have to be careful with the type of fueling you put in? But wow, they look cool. And at 1.8K, 3.5K, these are tempting. Even ratty conditions, project bikes go at 1.8K. What a fantastic bike to have and hold on to. I think that's a bang on future classic. I really do, Honda XL250. What a selection, Chaz. That's, that's so brilliant to own those three bikes. And the Honda C90, the Honda Cub. I always talk about the Honda Cub. You know, any bike, and I'll get onto this a bit later, any bike where there's a new variant that comes out, they resurrect that model. That's going to be a sure thing, a surefire classic for the original model. And the same goes for the Honda Cub, the Honda C90 Cub that Chaz has here from 1985. They brought out the new Honda Cubs and it's going to be pushing up the value of those original Cubs. I mean, I've already seen it. Honda Cubs. You know, Honda Cubs. I remember four years ago when I could buy a Honda Cub 
off-bike trader for £800. Okay, £800 for a Honda C90 Cub. Let me tell you how much a Honda Cub costs now. So instead of paying £800 for the cheapest, I would now have to pay Honda C90, there are only three available. Cheapest one, £2,195. That is for a 2008 model, or the second cheapest is a 1971 model for £3,495. And a few years ago, I remember you could pick one up for £800 and you had your choice of about 50 of them. So motorbikes, just like cars, you get the appreciating classics you do. You just, you gotta be, it's a bit harder with bikes. It is a bit harder, but they are there. They really are. You gotta just, you gotta, you gotta look out for them. But that Honda Cub, who would have guessed that would be such an appreciating classic? And is it because, is it purely because they've resurrected the Honda Cub name, they've brought it back, they've redone it, and now it's hugely pushed up the costs of those original ones? Right, I like this. Someone else said, Alan, um, just with regards to the Royal Enfield Meteor, uh, Royal Enfield Meteor YouTube video I did. Uh, Hi Freddie, totally agree what you're saying about riding a small bike to its limit. My daily ride is a 1200cc motorbike, but I've also got a Suzuki TU250X, which puts a huge smile on my face. Small motorbikes, low-powered small motorbikes, and often it goes hand-in-hand, -hand, cheap motorbikes. It's a feeling of purity. When you're riding along the winding country lanes and you're pushing the small, low-powered motorbike to its limits, it's a complete feeling of freedom. And when you couple that up with you're not paranoid about damaging a hugely expensive motorbike and you're not worried about getting yourself out of shape, it's a magical feeling riding one of these simple little bikes. And for me, it's every bit as fun as a hugely high-powered sports bike. Right. Freddie, I want to add my, two, I'm moving on, sorry. I want to add my two cents here. Oh, this is about, this is about the Royal Enfield Meteor because basically I said the Royal Enfield Meteor is, is an amazing bike. It's brilliantly priced. It's, it's completely untouchable. I don't know how they've done it. And this is in response to that. I, Freddie, I want to add my two cents. This Royal Enfield YouTube segment was well done. As you said, it's hit the sweet spot. But the one concern I've got with Royal Enfield versus, for example, Mutt or Harley Davidson, for example, is how much a Royal Enfield Indian staff being paid? What are their conditions, their living conditions, etc. like? So a question for you, Freddie. Do we have an ethical responsibility to ensure the Mutt's um, uh, Harley-Davidson's and Land Rover UK staff or BMW's German staff, Fiat's Italian staff stay employed or is lowest cost production more important? My vote is for maintaining good jobs by ethical domestic production, uh, which is a dwindling category in the UK, US and EU. If a company wants to claim UK heritage, then step up and create local manufacturing at some reasonable level. I fully agree with your low power and enjoy the thrills premise. Same holds with my classic 1993 Mazda MX-5. Um, right, let me just check. Uh, oh yeah, and I'll just continue a bit. By the way, the, the Triumph, uh, do, 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 just checking, I've got everything there. Um, ah, one more question. 
uh, Freddie, would you buy a £6,000 Chinese-made Harley-Davidson if it was available? Was it ethically produced or are workers exploited? Right, okay, this is interesting. It's a very fair point, this, and it's something I've often considered. How important is it where your motorbike is made? Example, how important is it that my Triumph Bonneville is made in the UK? How important is it if I buy a Harley Davidson? How important is it that that's made in the USA? Is it very important or do we all just need to accept that we now live in a globalized economy? Uh, I've got another point on this, Motoguzzi. They're very proud of the fact that they're built in Italy. But I did have a few people who've me messaged me and said, Freddy, yes, Motoguzzi is assembled in Italy. But the parts are, I think, from, I think from China, but I don't hold me on that. But basically, the parts are not manufactured in Italy. The parts are manufactured in, in Asia and then shipped over. And the final assembly is done in Italy, to the very best of my knowledge from what I've heard. So it, are we in a gray area here? How much does it matter where our motorbikes are made? How much does it matter? Yeah, I love the fact in, you know, for Harley Davidson, they are or were, do you know, let me check this, Harley Davidson. Uh, where are they built? Where are Harleys built now? Because I've got a feeling, I remember someone saying, Nope, they are actually, I'm just checking. Harleys are sold in the US and are indeed assembled in one of the four plants located in Wisconsin, Missouri and Pennsylvania. Uh, the brakes and clutch are imported from Italy. The engine pistons are made in Austria. The suspension comes from Japan and other electronic uh, components originate in Mexico and China. That was four years ago, but that's just, just what I've seen off the top. Uh, and actually there's another article here from 2021, this is more relevant. Now this is quite eye-opening. Okay, so year upon year, Harley-Davidson, and I'm on uh, enginepatrol.com. Year upon year, Harley-Davidson sells well over 100,000 motorcycles worldwide. And if you're looking to add to those numbers and purchase a new Harley, you may be wondering where the motorcycle is made. Right, it's got three factories in the US, but also Brazil, India and most recently Thailand. These are all factories that Harley motorcycles are wholly, uh, these are all factories where the Harley motorcycles are wholly made and assembled in. Harley-Davidson parts also manufactured, uh, produced in factories in Germany, Japan, Italy, Taiwan and Mexico. So even Harley-Davidson now, even Harley-Davidson have now a, a Thai plant where they manufacture and build motorcycles. I really do think now, I, I completely get, I completely get this point, I do. Um, it's nice to know, you know, that Triumph is built in the UK, but, you know, Royal Enfield have come along, they build their bikes in India. For one, in my mind, India saved, or I think it's Tata who owns, um, is it Tata who owns Royal Enfield? Or whoever it is, let's just say it's Royal Enfield. Royal Enfield, India, they have saved Royal Enfield India and the company who, who own or who bought out Royal Enfield, they've saved this British mark. So I'm delighted, I'm more than happy that the Indians are building Royal Enfields because they saved Royal Enfield. If it wasn't for them, there would be no Royal Enfield. There would be no Royal Enfield. And it's just a sad state of affairs. And it's, in my mind, fairly true that in the UK, 
we create very cool marks, but we just don't know how to manage them. And I, it's sad for me to say that, but if you look at, if you look at Range Rover, that is owned by, I think it's uh, the Indian company Tata. Same with Jaguar, owned by Tata. If you look at, I think Rolls-Royce is owned by BMW. Mini is owned by BMW. Um, I could go on and on. Bentley, that's probably owned by someone else. It, the list goes on and on. There are very few British automotive companies that are purely, that are still British owned. We in Britain, unfortunately, tend to need someone to come in and actually run the things for us. And actually, I'm all for that. So India have come along, saved Royal Enfield. And I, I for one, and I know they're huge biker fans in India. They are absolute bike crazy. I'm delighted that they're being built, actually, in India. Uh, Harley Davidson starting to get built in Thailand. Triumphs built in Thailand. And if they're not built in Thailand, a bit like Motor Guzzi, maybe most of the parts are getting assembled. Most of the parts are being built in other countries and then the final assembly goes on in that country. It starts becoming a bit of a grey area. So I get the point completely. I do. I just think we live in a globalised economy, which is ever evolving and ever changing. So it no, it probably doesn't bother me that much anymore. Maybe it used to bother me more, but no, now... Probably it doesn't bother me where it's made. It really doesn't. I don't think I'd I'd spend more than 10 seconds thinking about where it's built. It's a very good point that this listener makes, a very, very good point. Um, and I get it 100%. There'll be people that disagree with me. But for me, no, it, it doesn't matter anymore. It really doesn't. But thank you so much for sending that in. That's thought provoking. And I would genuinely be, in, genuinely be interested in everyone's thoughts on that. Uh, dob.bs at outlook.com. That's dob.bs at outlook.com. Right. OK. Oh, I have to go back to this. This is from JB, the Scottish biker, because he sent me over a few great tips and he's actually remembered a few more. And I loved them so much last week. I'm going back to this. So JB from Scotland. Thank you so much. Here we go. Listen to this. Oops, Freddie, one more thing. Um, listening to the early GS suggestion uh, that someone else sent in. Mid-1990s Africa Twin XR750. I know this, JB because they, they have these bikes in Tenerife, the mid-1990s Africa Twin XR750. It is my pick. I'm so glad you said this, because I'll be honest. I see this bike around. I know it's my favourite of the Honda Africa Twins, but I've never known which one it is. I've never known the year and the engine, because my knowledge just isn't good enough. So I'm delighted you've said this. Let's have a look at the cost. I've checked. Um, in fact, let me double check. Honda. And I think I think JB said the exact one. XR750. So I just call it an Africa Twin, but it's the XR750 you need to look for. XR. XR oh, they've got five on AutoTrader. Oh, this is a good bike. OK, I tell you what, it's still affordable. Right. Honda XR750 Africa Twin. Go onto Auto Trader or Bike Trader in the UK. Type in Honda XR750 Africa Twin in the UK. The cheapest one with 44,000 miles, so nothing for Honda, is £4,195. These are very good value. I'm actually amazed. 
I'm amazed that these are still affordable. This is, for me, one of the, the most surefire classics that you can possibly get. If I had a garage and some money spare, I'd be going out and buying one of these and tucking it away in a garage. I know people would say, Freddie, you got to go out and ride it. No, it's too special. I'll lock it away in a garage because, I, do you know, I, I don't even know if I'd, I'd be able to appreciate riding it as much. I've got my Bonneville. I'm fine with that. Maybe I'd ride it every so often, but I just want to tuck this away as a just a, a great looking thing to own. It, I really like these. I'll probably get a bit of hate saying I probably wouldn't ride it, but this is a really lovely quality. Honda Africa Twin, 2002 model, it's 20 years old. It's in red and white colors. It's got crash bars protecting the body of the bike. It's got uh, knobbly tires. It's got a really big chunky uh, engine what do you call it, a sump guard underneath it. It looks brilliant. And if I go back, let me just see what else is on the market now. I mean, there are only five, there aren't many. You know, there's a 1999 model here. Um, they're 750 cc's, they're 60 horsepower, so lovely amount of usable horsepower. Every single horsepower that will be usable, and it's a Honda. And I've said before, but my friend had a Honda, I think it was a 1999 Honda, CB 600, the most reliable bike out of all of my friends, the fastest bike, it did everything brilliantly. These, this is, this is, you know, it's new enough that it's usable every day, this bike. It, I'm a huge fan of these. I'm looking at this now and thinking, this is a superb investment motorbike. It's just on that cusp of having that vintage look that's very much of its era with these Honda patent schemes. I highly suggest anyone who's looking out for a new motorbike, go and have a look at one of these. That's really, really good value. Okay, right, oh, I've just seen the time. Right, I have to move on to this now. I like keeping it half an hour. I've gone over that. I have to get to this really quickly. Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I've got a few more really interesting bits, but... No, you know what? I'm going to save this. I'll save this. I may even try and do two episodes this week. I'm going to save this for next week's episode. That's it. Thank you so much for staying with me for this week's episode. Let me know how the sound quality is, because if it's fine on this time, that's it. I'll stop worrying about it. I've sorted it. Um, let me know your thoughts on, on, on what we've discussed today. I'm very curious, actually. What are your thoughts on where a motorbike is built? Does it matter anymore in today's modern society? Let me know. And also, if you've got any interesting stories or anything, send them over dob.bs and outlook.com. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I'll speak to you in the next one.